The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, uh, the show of insight, intelligence, and inspiration where we ask you to consider who it is you are right now and who is it that you want to be. I'm Leah Mattinson, and I'm joined, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Howard, how has your week been? Oh, it's been interesting, Leah. Something interesting happened. Like, like many Americans, you know, I could do with probably a little more cash, so periodically I find myself thinking and maybe occasionally praying, you know, for, for more money. And what I discovered this week is Howard Rankin won the lottery twice. <laughs> Not once, but twice. But I'm You're a winner. It's the wrong Howard Rankin. It's a guy in Massachusetts. It's not me. Yeah. So, so what I would oh encourage, God. this is very important. When you are praying, make sure you give your address and social security <laughs> number so that anything that's coming your way goes to the right person. That's all I can say. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, um, <laughs> Um, however, as you know, Leah, I'm not mad at God, of course, um, because uh, as you and people who listen to the show know, three months ago, I was in a really nasty head-on car accident and walked away with my life. So that's truly a gift. Um, yes. But anyway, that was a fun thing that happened to me this week, <laughs> to discover that somebody who has the same name has won the lottery twice. That's awesome. Wow. I'm so, what I think, it's just, it's excellent and spectacular that you are actually growing spiritually, Howard. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you noticed that, Leah. <laughs> so it's a wonderful segue into the our guest that we have this week, and I'm just absolutely thrilled uh, to have with us uh, five-time New York Times bestselling author and internationally renowned speaker in the fields of human consciousness, spirituality and mysticism, health energy medicine, and the science of medical intuition. And I personally have spent a significant amount of time with her books and her online courses and videos and realized just how deep her devotion is to the work with people around the world on personal development. So it was my absolute um, thrill to be uh, speaking with Carolyn Miss today. Thank you, Carolyn, for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Howard. It's good to be with you both. And that story about the lottery, that is hilarious. <laughs> how much How much did he win, do you know? That could only well, I think more. He, he, he won a guess. million. He won a million dollars in one of these scratch-off things. He won it twice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, can you tell him you're some kind of twin or 
Some yeah, that's the next thing. I am a long lost relative with the same right. name. Well, believe you me, yeah. they're showing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, I think there's like those right now. I think there's like 70 Howard Rankins that I've come across in the United States. They're probably all calling him right now. So. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. That's hilarious. So, barring you actually uh, hooking up with one of these guys, <laughs> Howard, <laughs> and becoming rich and famous overnight, uh, <laughs> we'll be, move on to our guests, uh, gifts to the world. <laughs> That's an experience so, uh, I have not had. <laughs> no, no. You have you have had to uh, maybe uh, earn things the good the good old fashioned way, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a lot of hard work. Yeah, a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication to your craft. And I've just been uh, I've been really lucky to have uh, listened to and heard a lot of like how your theology came about. So I'd just like to give our listeners some sort of a context, uh, like about you know, where you were and where you are now and how did you actually get to be a medical intuitive and do energy medicine and move from kind of a, you know, religion to spirituality? How did that all happen? Well, I, uh, you know, you can never really go fast to what was the most significant journey of your life, so I'll just see if I can condense it. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I grew up Catholic, and I grew up in a Catholic family where I was not traumatized. I was inspired. Um, I, I think it was necessary, essential, and a blessing that I was born Catholic, be, into a Catholic family, because I did go to Catholic schools all the way through my um, completion of my graduate work and I in in, in uh, through my masters. And you know, during that during those years, and I had a very I have a very close family, so I didn't have any traumas in the family zone, so it's almost, I almost feel like I have to apologize to the modern-day people, although, <laughs> uh, although it, uh, that said, we had the crises of alcoholism. Mm. I lost my brother through alcoholism, mm. and so I, we had addiction, we had that, but the way we handled it was as a family. So, um, I know what it's like to have to deal with putting someone in, in rehab, having to pick someone off the floor who's vomiting over himself because he's lying about drinking vodka out of a cup and and dealing with his terrified children. So, mm-hmm. you know, life runs the spectrum. And when you say, how do you develop your, because you have to, you develop your gut and your soul along with your mind because what life, what the, the journey of life it's the journey of how you ask questions and where you expect mm-hmm. your answers to come from and how you expect them. And I was never somebody, thanks to the guidance and superb teachers that I had, who believed that life should be other than the way life is. And mm-hmm. life is not, I was never, I was always taught, always, and it was such a wise lesson that I was not the exception to anything. One of the worst lessons, one of the worst modeling I see parents do today is that they tell their children they're exceptions, that they're exceptional, mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. special. And when you mm-hmm. believe that you're an exception, then when ordinary things happen to you, you're completely paralyzed. And the ordinary things of life are that what is ordinary is that catastrophes happen, pain happens, death. Every single elder in my family lost a child. 
Every mm. single one. My oh. mother lost it. My aunts. My grandmother lost two sons. I grew up with death around me. My cousins died. Eight, six-year-olds with cancer. My uh, one cousin uh, accidentally hung himself when he was five. But I had oh, death wow. around me all the time. So the idea that, oh my God, how could this happen to us? Mm-hmm. Yes, there were questions, but the in the way that we handled it was it happened. It happened. Right. Now, how do we get through this? So it was never this idea that somehow or other we should be protected from what happens in life. Life is death, and it is birth, and it is getting up again. Mm-hmm. And that the way that what it, was, it was handled was we're going to pray through this, and we're going to get going. It was never this, oh, God, how come us? And that was never asked. And that was all part of not forming an inner belief pattern that was essentially corrupt, which is, Mm. this is unfair. This is unjust. And the seeds of that corruptive thought was never allowed to take root. Never. And so when, when you ask, you know, how we grew up in a field of trauma and a field of love and a field of wisdom, and so there were no exceptions to pain. It was everywhere. But it was also handled with this sense. My, my elders came from, from peasant roots. They're from the stock of Europe where, mm-hmm. where they, they did not have this aristocratic attitude that somehow or other <laughs> things of life should not happen to them. It was always they will happen, and we expect you to have a backbone and not a wishbone. So, and, and, and so, and, and that whole sense that you are guarded and guided no matter what happens was the theology of the family. No matter what happens. So these things happen and you are guarded and guided in spite of it. Not, and that theology is not about faith, is not about protecting you from these things so they don't happen. They will happen. Right. Because that's yeah. life. And so the, the core theology was one in harmony with nature, the nature of life, mm-hmm. the nature of life. And so I never looked for life to be other than the way it was. And perhaps that's, and, and, the, and the, as I grew up, the nature, the, uh, my own nature grew up in harmony with the way, in fact, the divine, the organic divinity, the way God is, the way life is. I didn't, nobody sat back and said this, we're exceptions to, to the way life is, so how could this happen to us? Mm-hmm. And then as, as, you know, and my own instincts were very sharp and very evolved early on. Um, because, and I think partly I was, from the get-go, someone who liked to read. And mm-hmm. as a reader, I was reclusive. And I had to work at being, at developing, as, this, as crazy as this sounds, when I, I was reclusive all through my grade school years, I, I just would come home and I would read and study because that was my world and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then my first day in high school, on the bus going to high school, I looked out the window and I had this, this feeling, this guidance, whatever it was that said, you have to make friends now. 
And then by the time I got off the bus, I, I, I went into school and I had this kind of thing that was ringing in my gut that said, I have to find a friend. So second second period of class was a was a what do you call that a study period or whatever, and I looked across the aisle and there was this quiet little blonde girl and I said you want to be friends to this <laughs> day she's one of my best friends I'm the godmother to her son to this yeah. day she's one of my best friends and that yeah. was the beginning of my coming out of my shell and but that inner voice was something that I have always heard and always followed. And my sense of being in more than out had already taken hold. That was where I lived. And um, the, the, my kind of wiring that what I was taught about the inner world, um, I could distinguish a little bit. I was fascinated with theology. I was fascinated, of course, it was religion. But somehow or other, I, I got a fix early on that there was a difference between religion as the politics of God and spirituality. And I just hung in there. And eventually, I, when I was in college, I had a, the most significant mentor not teacher, but she was in the classic sense the mentor, and she she um, was a nun. She is a nun, and she took over my education in a sense. She taught um, Eastern religions, Buddhism. She introduced mm. me to Buddhism, to yoga. I was seventeen years old when I started college. She introduced me to all of that years before it became popular. Now it's like that, but not not back in the 70s, when 1970, when when the world was still very conservative. She began my instruction in the Eastern world when Thomas Merton was was becoming well known, and I fell in love with the Eastern tradition, and that's when I began my exodus from conventional Catholicism. And um, then when I was in my early 30s, in my late 20s, early 30s, I moved to New Hampshire, and it was as if the whole of me pieced itself together. My, my instincts, my intellect my faith, my soul, all the pieces came together. And one day, uh, a friend in my publishing company, my business partner, was saying, I, Lisa's not feeling well. And I was looking at a manuscript. I was the editor in our publishing company. And I said, she has leukemia. Mm. And my gut instinct, it just, my inner world had a certain clarity. It never occurred to me that I didn't think about I didn't even think about that. But that was the beginning of um, what one might think of as the, the, the career as a medical intuitive. But if, I, if every single person has a, an intuitive wiring, what I had that maybe makes it a little bit different are certain ingredients. And one is I had a very strong respect for my inner wiring. 
and indeed what you might think of as reverence. I had a reverence for it because I, I, I knew it was wired to my soul. It was a sacred thing. I knew never to disagree with it, that it had a holiness to it. I'd already developed a prayer life, and that I would not negotiate. So this, you know, when I meet people and they're always, you know, searching, searching, I always wonder, what the heck are you searching for? And at your age, still searching? I'd throw myself <laughs> off a bridge. I would throw myself off a bridge if I was still you searching. What are you searching for? But I recognize now, when I look at these people, and I hear that, that what they're searching for is the courage to actually come near their soul. Mm -hmm. Because that is such a profound moment that from the time they actually encounter that that force in themselves, it renegotiates their relationship with the whole of life. That it is a truth moment. Because from the moment you actually encounter that, you have to uh, tell the truth. Mm-hmm. The whole relationship you have with darkness can no longer sustain itself in the way you have existed, where your primary relationship with life goes through the mind. Because in the mind, you can play games. You can talk, you can, you can make mm-hmm. up narratives as to why you've lied to somebody, mm-hmm. as to why you... Um, uh, betrayed yourself or betrayed someone else. While you live in the mind, God is an idea, spirituality is an idea, the soul is an idea, and you 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 have the capacity to live with darkness as an ally, which is what ninety percent of people do. They have no trust in light, whereas their their trust is with darkness. They find much more companionship in league with dark forces, even though they won't admit it, but it's the truth. It is the truth. We live in a society that's built on darkness. We know our politicians lie. We know our business leaders lie. We know our our mm. our military, our 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 business partners. We 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 assume people lie, which is why we show up right. at business meetings with an army of lawyers. We right. we spend more time trying to manage the dishonesty of other people in business negotiations rather than work on our own integrity. We don't even use the word integrity when we educate our kids. We don't make our kids, we have, the kids, if you use the phrase moral conscience in front of a, of a, a 12-year-old, they don't know what you're talking about. Whereas when I grew up, that was on the table every day. Every single day. Every Caroline? single day. Caroline, and con- what? I'm just going to say, um, we need to break for, the, for our break, but what you've touched on here is incredible. And what we want to do after the break, having got to understood how you got here, is to talk more about the manifestation of this. And and what you're talking about is so close to my heart, I can't tell you. I hope it is to other listeners. So when we come back after the break, we're going to hear more, much more, uh, of great importance from Carolyn Vitz. It's... 
Enrich your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson. Today, we have the privilege and honor to talking with Carolyn Miss, who is talking about the critical issues, I believe, in life about consciousness, spirituality, your identity. Carolyn, you spent um, that first segment talking about your the, the forces, as it were, that got you and how you got into this. Talk about how that career has developed and, and the themes that you think have been most important as you have grown, you know, from those early adult years. Well, you know, when I first started out as a medical intuitive, my focus because I was new in my skin, was in trying to understand how, what the patterns, what the negative patterns were, emotional, psychological, that caused the body to break down, because I bought into that model. Mm. And eventually I realized there was no truth to that, because um, it was a very unsophisticated primal model that was based on our need to have to reduce everything to one solution for one problem. That we were much more complex than that. And as soon as I, you know, looked at that, I, I was thinking, how, I, I, and what I saw very clearly was mixed into that complexity was um, a fear that people had a, a fundamental fear of being healthy and whole which needed to be factored into why they were sick in the first place. And, and mm-hmm. also that the body-mind-spirit template that had given rise to the holistic mo- movement had retreated into a, essentially a body-mind-mind template that, this, mm-hmm. that no one really knew what to do with the spirit that it was this amorphous thing that that was brought up at the last minute in phrases like, well, now all we can do is pray, but essentially it evaporated. And that faith was a product of the mind and that we really worshipped at the altar of reason, though we are an exceedingly unreasonable species. Correct. And it doesn't take much to get us to become unreasonable. All you have to do is prick us a little bit, and we're off the charts unreasonable. So I looked at that, and I realized people don't are, are terribly infra- afraid of becoming a whole person, that there's something about being wounded that 
we've created an entire society, an entire lifestyle about managing our wounds and being fragile. The, our relationships are based on fragility. Our, our economy is based on fragility in many ways. Our, our, uh, uh, the dynamics of, of supporting countries, which country is fragile, which is strong, everything is based on this whole who's wounded and the privilege of wound. The privilege mm. of wound is incredible. And so, you know, when somebody is wounded, they, they, they feel like you have to speak to me in a certain way. You, uh, I have to mm. be cared for in a certain way. Um, yeah. it, it, so, it, it's quite astonishing the power yeah, so a the, wound has and so, being wounded. He sort of become and, a protective species, don't you? <laughs> yeah, but it's so. Why would someone want to be healthy and whole if there's so much power in being wounded and limping? It just doesn't pay off. It's and it's kind of the same category of truth. Why would you want to become a truth seer? in yourself when, in fact, being in league with darkness provides you with cover and so many more answers and so much more wiggle room in, in, in relationships and society. Mm-hmm. So, a culture of being, a culture of being uh, that you get coddled when you're hurt, when you're sick, and for some reason we haven't figured out how to... Um, love people when they're well like that the only reward or lots of the reward comes from when you're sick i'm going to come and bring you soup versus when you're well i'm going to come and celebrate that you're well yes but but also part of it is saying is answering that in an i i haven't figured out Mm -hmm. how to be without with others without Mm -hmm. being wounded right in my workshop i won't let anybody answer it with you because that says others are like that, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I won't let anybody do that, Leah. Because then it's like, I don't do that, but they do. I won't allow right. anyone to do that. Not one person. And, and including me when I teach. Because in every hmm. one of us is that ten- tendency. And when you operate from wounds, you operate from darkness. And that's all there's to it. You're always strategizing. How to get around somebody. And then if you answer a question in darkness, if you lie, if you maneuver the truth and you're caught, you'll use a wound. You'll use some, you'll blame somebody Mm -hmm. else. You'll pull out your background. You'll pull out a wound from your childhood. And in this way, this then feeds into part three, which is you must remain unforgiving. You have to constantly feed the narrative that your wounds are so wretched that they're impossible to remain forgiven, to, to become something you can forgive or let go of. So that then feeds into therapy, which is why are you going? There's, unless you're dealing right. with what you really need to deal with, which is darkness. I am in league with darkness. Mm-hmm. You don't need therapy. You need confession. At the end of the day, all roads lead to the sacraments. All roads lead to this. I am in league with darkness, and I have no intention of breaking this off. I can't. My primal addiction is to the safety of darkness, and I can't stop. I can't stop. And now I'm going to use the words that should be used that we took out, because words are power. That's our power. 
And because we've exercised so many essential words from our vocabulary, we navigate free of charge. And one of the words we have to put back is sin. What is sin? Mm -hmm. Sin is making a choice knowing that another person is going to pay for the consequences of your choices. And that's a sin. That's an absolute sin. That's not a boo-boo. That's not a oops. That's a sin. And we have to call it what it is. And as I say in my workshops, I want you to think of something you can't forgive. And imagine someone who can't forgive you, so just don't make this about you because you're always victim and it's comfortable in the victim role. I want you to think of someone you've actually victimized because you, you actually consciously knew you were lying to them. And a conscious lie is a sin because you know you are saying something to them that is not true and they will base another decision in their life upon mm-hmm. something you just said to them. They will then go about their life convinced, trusting you, that what you just said was truth. They will take it, and truth is a power word. You are saying something is truth, and it is not. And when you list something as truth, and it is not, believe you me, you have sinned. So, you say, if someone says they come up to you, and let's just say they have lied about you at work, and you lost your job. And then a a couple of years later, they come up to you and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I never meant to hurt you. And I don't know why you can't get over that. I've apologized. And they later say, I apologize to her. I apologize to him. And he just won't let it go. And you're in therapy. And you're trying to let it go. And you're saying, I'm trying to forgive the person. Trying, trying, trying. Well, as I said in my workshop, what's really getting you? is not that that person lied about you at work. It's really not. What gets to you, what sticks in your soul, is that you knew it was conscious, and that's what that person's not owning. That, if that person came up to you and said, I want to speak with mm-hmm. you for a minute, I, oh, I, I want to tell you something. I consciously did that. I knew exactly what I was doing. I deliberately lied about you. You're right, I did lie. But the truth is, the truth is that it was deliberate. I wanted you out. I contrived the lie. I created it in such a way that your life would change and my life would change for the better. It was conscious. I don't owe you an apology. I owe you this. I sinned against you. What I did was a sin. I redirected I wounded your soul, and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Now, let's put it in that context, because that is the truth. It was a conscious act, and, and the person knew it was wrong, and it didn't stop the person from redirecting the course of your life. That is the quality of dialogue that is no longer active in our society. That right there, right there is the source of madness. Not insanity, but the rampant epidemic of madness we have in society, right there, is because we no longer have the means to reach the truth or the means to pierce the darkness that we now participate in. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly can relate to a lot of that. And 
You know, one of the things I think one of the, and you know far better than I do, but one of the mistakes that I see people making or excuses is the confusion of understanding with tolerance. Well, that person couldn't own up to the truth because they were never taught to do that, so cut them some slack. Oh, my know? God. Never taught. <laughs> we're built to vomit the truth. We are uh, built So what, what happens then? When does that change, Carl? And if we're built to vomit the truth, I, I agree with that. And that it's almost uh, becoming completely desensitized to saying what the truth is. Are we that afraid of our own? We've made up words. Mm. Misinformation. I misspoke. Mm -hmm. What the hell is that? If I wrote that word as a journalism student, he misspoke. It would have been circled, thrown back at me by my professor and said, I want you to find that word for me. In, uh-huh. in, in the Oxford yeah. English Dictionary. Mm-hmm. And until mm-hmm. you can find that word, don't come back to class. What is misspoke? It's called I lied. We yep. so soft pedal our dark behavior, and that's dark behavior. Yep. We are completely supportive of our dark behavior. This is what I'm talking about. No question. And it leads to this sort of rampant narcissism where, you know, my perception is the reality, so you've all got to agree with it. Right? Right. No, this is, we refuse to hold each other, ourselves accountable, and each other, because we want to be in this darkness. It's and why? why? Because why do it allows we want us that? to do, it allows us to cheat, it allows us to break our vows. It allows us to indulge in our weakness and make decisions that a conscious... We don't use the word conscience anymore. We took that no. out, too. We mm-hmm. use this useless word consciousness, which means nothing. <laughs> which means absolutely right. nothing. What does that right. word mean? It means nothing. I have an issue of consciousness. Well, what is it? That you don't use the right light bulbs? Or you're not recycling? <laughs> what the hell is an issue of consciousness? It's nothing. <laughs> If you have conscience, it means I've done something wrong, and I feel it. And you want to know why people are not clear intuitives? Because they're not in their conscience. They're not in their gut. They think intuition, clearing intuition, is is about eating vegetables. Are they nuts? Are they brain dead? Vegetables makes you a clear intuitive? Are you serious? If you... They could eat cat food if they're honest. It wouldn't make any difference. It's not about what you eat. It's about the clarity of yourself and your courage to be an honest individual. First with yourself, to speak truth. To be able to speak it, live it, walk it, eat it, breathe it. And that's a big job. Uh, the breathing but that it should in, be. It's a, Why it's a should big that job. be a big job? It yeah, should be it, ordinary. Even the it should be ordinary. Say, it's a big I, yes, job I agree. Tells you it's an exception. How? Mm. What? The fact mm. that truth is an exception is an intolerable situation. Amen. It should be ordinary. In my home, growing up, my father said, "If you take a nickel from someone." If you take a lie, if you tell a lie, don't you come home. If you steal one nickel, let me suggest you steal a million because you're not coming home. Because whether you steal a nickel or a million, you are a thief. 
And mm-hmm. once you cross that road, you never come home again because you've sold your soul. And he told us all that as children. And believe you me, we sat there shaking. And we lived like honorable little Marines. My dad was a Marine. Uh And none of us ever, ever budged from that honor code. Ever. He said, and I remember when I was about nine years old, coming down the stairs, and I heard my father, I grew up in Chicago, and he said to my mom, she said, what are you doing here, honey? And he said, I've got to drive to the south side. Now, that was almost a 28-mile drive from where we lived. And my mom said, why? He said, to which my father said, I owe a man a nickel. Hmm. I will never forget that. It probably cost my dad 50 cents in gas. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But that, that imprinted me. He will. He owed a man. I. I have. I have done that because I owed someone a dime. And 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 that was my dad to the penny. And that's how all of us were. We grew up to the penny. That's how I am. That's how my brother is. And and because my father said, if you lose your reputation, if you negotiate it, you will never get it back. And there's no amount of wealth on earth. Nothing that can retrieve it once. That's gone. Look at that swimmer in South America, that Ryan Seacrest. For all of his years of talent, all of it, all of it, all of it, it's gone because he told a lie. It would be interesting. Okay, so do you think that's ever there's any way of recovering from that? Perhaps that's something we should talk about in this third segment. No, as we, no, there's not. What he he's, his okay. whole life is now trying to redeem himself. He goes and he's dancing with on a stage. No, right. He's what kind of silly thing is that? He can try, but what does everybody say? Everybody say he's trying to redeem himself. Why? Because what do they remember? The lie. They don't well, I understand, but, but do you believe redemption's possible, regardless of what other people think? I think redemption's possible for you personally. Redemption is not a public act, Howard. No, it's a no, personal but, act. And so if you're doing that. it in public, what, what, what you're, he's performing so that others like him, is that, poss- is that an act of redemption? No. no. No, I'm sorry. It's an act of, I want to make money. Please like <laughs> me. An act of redemption is a personal act between you and God. Between you and God. It is not between you and the public so you can get your your financial contracts back. I'm sorry it's not. That's a public relations skit. Yep, I agree with you. When we come back in the third segment, uh, we'll talk about some of the implications for people and what do we need to do to move from the dark to the light when we come back on Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. We're here with today's inspiring and oh, very passionate and clear, clear, clear guest, Carolyn Mace. <laughs> I would encourage you, if you're tuning in to the last uh, session section of this show, to go back and uh, listen to the first two segments. Uh, we're just so uh, fortunate to have a guest with us that just cuts right through a lot of the baloneo, as I like to call it, and gets right to the heart of things. Um before the break, we talked about uh, Caroline's uh, education and upbringing, kind of where she got some of her theology or her theology. And, of course, it's a very Reader's Digest uh, condensed version. Um, this lady just has so many things that she brings to our earth and uh, tools that she has built over her years and years of wonderful work uh, to help us to heal and get on the path of rightness. And uh, so, Caroline, I'd just like to talk a little bit about your um, website, mace.com, and that's M-Y-S-S.com. What can people find on there that will help them in this spiritual journey of getting right? Well, thank you so much for bringing that, that up and for this question, Leah. Thank you very much. Um, my website is really, um, it's really, it's wonderful because I have all my workshops on there. And that, by now, you can imagine, is an enormous archive. And uh, a number of my workshops are available for free. And yes. and then there are wor- uh, a number of workshops that are available at a very affordable cost. Because my charism, really, in this life is to teach and, and, and to educate. Um, I am... I am born to teach, really. Um, I'm a teaching machine. (laughs) (laughs) And I really am an educator. So any which way that I can do that, I'm not just a lecturer. I really am a passionate educator. Yes, and and a wonderful educator. And and (laughs) because you're very engaging. uh, I've taken your uh, several courses online. Uh, So anyone who's a professional who's taken courses online, sometimes they're very like snorefest, hard (laughs) hard to get through. Uh, But I I recently took, like within the last year, I took your sacred contracts online. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more in detail about what students that would participate in something like that might find that might be different than traditional sorts of teaching. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, Sacred Contracts was a vision. It literally was a, a, a vision when, it, again, in the progression of my work. I, you know, was all, I'm always asking myself, well, how come and where and why? And, and, and um, I, I did wonder, you know, how, how is our life organized prior to getting here? I mean, how is it organized? How how is our journey organized? And I I really came to understand that we there's a kind of a contractual system that's organized. We have obligations. We're not apples that fall from trees. We're, nothing is random. Nothing. This is a well ordered universe. And if and the nature of God is law. Everything is ordered, everything, from the 
structure of how the planets go to the timing and flow of the tides to to the organization of our biology everything is law our bodies operate cells operate according to their nature the nature is a system of law and order and that is an expression of god and and if you understand nature in the nature of your nature you understand that our your your life was was designed to fit in to a system and to be productive in some way and and contributory to that system and it's a mystical journey as well as a physical but it begins by understanding your mystical contribution and the way that I really saw that unfolding was in our archetypal or symbolic patterns of power that are our governing forces. And, and that I understood then is that we have what I would call contracts with these patterns of power. They're archetypes. Someone would say, well, what's an archetype? That's a big word, but it's not. How I tell people to recognize that is that they... They're labels. If you were to people watch, you would label someone, that's a geek, that's this. So she looks like a, a nurturing mother. This People label people, and what they're picking up are their archetypal power patterns. And your patterns are so evident and so strong, and these patterns have an impact in your life. And they are so strong that they magnetize your relationships. They magnetize the things, the, the, the um, myths that you come to believe about your life. If someone has a princess archetype, mm-hmm. they will seek out a knight for a partner. They, they'll be drawn to men who are knights. If men have a knight, they'll find a princess. A, a person who's a rescuer is is just caught in that pattern of rescuing. And you could tell someone who's a rescuer, stop it. You have got to stop it. And it looks like they're listening to you, but the pattern's mm-hmm. stronger than they are. And what they can do is mature the pattern, learn that, that like, a, like a lifeguard, they can't push people in the pool to rescue them. They've really got to sit on the side and wait till someone calls for help. But they will always be the lifeguard. So... This class that I put online is the accumulation of all the lectures and all the texts I've written, all the lectures that I have given over 19, almost about 17 years of teaching this course again and again, and it was completely transcripted for an online course because I realized that I was teaching this course over a two-year period to students, and Mm -hmm. even then, it wasn't enough time because I had accumulated so much uh, understanding of it. So now I've done it as this online course. All of the material is there. It's been organized as download segments. And that at the end, if someone wants to become certified as a person who can do archetypal consultants and do readings for people on archetypes, there's a way then to get training with uh, one-on-one with people to take it one step further. So you can either take the course just to learn about archetypes or go the next level and do the training to become an archetype consultant. So it's a very sophisticated class. And then I have all my other online courses that are called Reflections. I just finished one last week, which is on the subject of help, how to be of help, 
and how to ask for help. And I found, by the way, that in that topic, that that's one of the most, uh, that was an incredibly rich one. But I Mm -hmm. think the topic that, because of what we've been speaking about this morning, because we were talking about spirituality and talking about the inner journey, that the topic that I dealt with recently in three parts was on spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. And I oftentimes speak to a person one-on-one, if I were your spiritual director, what I would mm-hmm. tell you as you're going through this conflict, what I would tell you as you are seeking your inner life, is if I were your spiritual director. And that's why I put together this course, because so many people have asked me to be their spiritual director. So that is how I am in this course. I I literally speak to you as if I am your spiritual director, and I begin it with the first section, which is called Pebbles at the Well. How to even learn how to approach your inner life. How do you learn how to pray? How do you... Because what I have realized is that most people do not even know how to enter prayer. They know what give me prayer is, but they don't know how to just be still. Two, most people don't even know how to have faith anymore. They, we, we live in a faithless society. They want to have faith, but everything, all the messages around us, everything is what what not to have faith in. Don't have faith in priests anymore. Don't have faith in business. Don't have faith in banks. Be careful. Don't have faith in vows. Don't have faith in your spouse because they're likely to cheat on you. Look at the statistics in marriage. Don't have faith. Everything is about how faith disappoints us. And so the and and the thing about human nature is that we thrive on being able to settle in and have faith in tr- and trust in our companions and in the world that we are constructing around ourselves. Even though, it, it, as Buddha says, change is constant. We know the world is going to change. We know people will grow and, sh- and change. And the art of living is to allow change and to change with the flow of things to never assume that things will be the same from morning till night, to never involve ourselves in in those illusions that, ah, I finally made it, there'll never be a storm in this harbor. But to recognize there will be a storm in this harbor, but nonetheless I have found a beautiful harbor. Both are true simultaneously. And two truths can coexist that seem to collide, but that requires that you develop a a a higher perception that says I can live with change while planting the field in this harvest because even to grow is change. Mm-hmm. And also, I have the ability to conduct myself in a way that is that love, truth, trust, and giving, no matter what's going on in my life. Which That's I think it. you know we're not entitled we're not entitled to anything from other people for sure. But we're certainly entitled to how we conduct ourselves in the world. Uh, and we've we're down to like the last minute, Carolyn. I just want to. Um, give a little promo for another event that you're doing right now before we take the show out and that's uh, you're going to France um, doing Dancing Spirit Tours the Divine Feminine is coming up in October and so if people go online and look for that they can actually see your live streaming uh, video yes, of come, your event come with me to France through live streaming am, you can I'm, sign up for that 
Yes, and it's very reasonable. It's very, very reasonable. And uh, just the education would be amazing, I think, for anyone who's looking at that. Just how do I get back into faith? Uh, How do I get myself recentered? And we've asked Carolyn to uh, join us again when she gets back from France, and I'm hoping that she will uh, do that. (laughs) That's going to be fun because I'll be talking about mysticism and and Mary Magdalene and all kinds of good stuff. Yes, so I just encourage everyone to go and check out your website, mace.com, that's M-Y-S-S dot com, and to go online and see where the streaming events are happening. There's other uh, live events that people can go to. There's tons and tons of online training. And we just, again, want to thank you so much, Carolyn, for joining us this morning. Uh, we hope you have a wonderful uh, trip to France, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you when you return and to hearing more of your your insight and inspiration and intelligence. Uh, thank you, everybody, yes. for tuning in today. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, Go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.